Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Hot Takes from the Bird podcast. I'm your host, Jason Mitchell, joined alongside Ian Hatcher. How are you doing tonight, Ian? I'm doing absolutely awesome. Finally got the monkey off my back of the Carson Wentz podcast. I'm ready to kick back and talk some NBA for sure. We got some some good games last week, um, but you have something to talk about, Ian, so I'll let you go into that. Yeah, I just think the one thing that we got to get into before we really dive anywhere into the NBA is um, the situation in Minnesota. Ryan Saunders was fired as head coach of the Timberwolves. Um, this came after a 130-99 loss to the New York Knicks. And, he, you know, he was then notified. And they had, they were 7-24 at the time. So, I mean, I, I – I alluded to it, I think, multiple times on this podcast before. I thought that he wasn't the correct answer at head coach. Um, I just – for the talent that's on that team, there's no excuses really. I understand injuries happen, but to have so many players be either playing so well or, you know, known to be as good of players as they are, there's no excuse for 7-24 and 24 at this point in the season – and it's also interesting for another reason, Chris Finch, the top assistant for the Toronto Raptors, head coach Nick Nurse, is the new head coach. This is the only the second time ever in all of NBA history where an assistant coach was promoted to head coach of another team midseason. The only other time it ever happened was 2009, where Lionel Hollins left the Bucks to become the head coach of the Grizzlies. I I honestly didn't know that Lionel Hollins part. I knew that he had became the head coach of the Grizzlies. I didn't remember it being a story because of that, but it's very weird to me. I've never heard of anything like this in all of sports. At first, I thought it might, you know, interfere with some kind of tampering regulation or something, but I, I guess it's fine. I, I guess the team is cool with it. I don't really know how that works. It's got to be an interesting process. Hey, we're taking your head coach now. Thanks. Um, but like I said, I think this needed to happen. I, I think that this was a really good move by the Timberwolves, getting, especially for the fact that they could get another head coach promotion. And it's a guy that I'm told that the Timberwolves like. They, they looked at this guy before they hired Ryan Saunders. So there's obviously some some history there. I think him and the GM go back to Houston Rockets days, if I'm not mistaken. So that that's obviously working well. And they, they needed a change. And it, it's nice for them to get it done before the offseason when there's seven other vacancies and, you know, the top three head coaches are plucked up, you know, in the opening week. So uh, I think that this was a good move for them. They got a good coach, hopefully and they can finally start to build something meaningful in, in Minnesota. Yeah, the, the big thing in Minnesota, I think, is just developing those young guys. I mean, you already have established guys like Carlton uh, Towns and Andrew Russell, but you have so many young guys on that team. Uh, Derek Culver, I mean, Malik Beasley's only 24. Of course, the rookie, Anthony Edwards. You got Nas Reed, Josh Kogi. I There are, I think, 
two people on this team that are over 25, and that's Ricky Rubio and Ed Davis. So this is this is the definition of a young team. Yeah, and it to be as talented as it is, it, it's a project. It admittedly is. I mean, these players, as good as they are, you know, none of them really know how to play winning basketball at the NBA level yet. Um, Malik Beasley played a couple of years for a good Denver Nuggets team, but it, not in a role or any kind of capacity where he could bring, you know, meaningful experience to this Timberwolves team. So it's going to be a process. Like I said, it's it's hopefully this is the beginning of the start of that of a process towards, you know, getting some winning basketball out of, you know, some really talented NBA players. But the Western Conference is a tough one. It's not going to happen overnight. But um, hopefully, you know, Finch can install uh, just a good culture. I think that's something that really needs to be put in place in in Minnesota. I don't see them playing together as a team all that often. I think that, you know, they lack a real cohesion. I don't – it doesn't look like they really, you know, are – I don't know, just covering for each other, playing together, things like that. You, you see a team that's, you know, meshes really well. They just, they're always one step ahead of each other. They know what the other person's going to do. I don't sense that at all with this Tim Rules team. And uh, hopefully Finch can, you know, start ironing out, ironing out some of those problems. I do want to say Anthony Edwards had probably the most fierce dunk in the NBA so far this year with that yeah, baseline was... poster. Yeah. Just. Oh my God, that was seeing nice. that all over highlights over ESPN and Instagram for the past like three days was yeah. Before you know anybody gets hate for saying that Edwards, or before the pre-draft process for saying Edwards was the number one guy over Lamelo, it, it's just things like that. <laughs> like I'm, it's nothing against Lamelo. It's just when you see a human being do something like that or similar to like that, it's just it blows your mind. It's, he has a 19-year-old. Yeah, he's a freak. Are you ready to hop into the rookie roundup? Yes, I am. And, and starting off with the team that's not doing so hot, but this this guy has shocked me, to say the least, and that's Jayshon Tate. Uh, this guy is wolf. Uh, last 10 games, 13 points, six rebounds, two assists, and a steal on good – Good percentage from from inside the arc. Not not so great from outside of the arc, shooting about 33% from three. But, I mean, he is 25. He's an old rookie, but still, I mean, not everyone in this league is meant to be a three-point shooter. But with how bad this Rockets team has been playing lately, they at least have a bright side. Absolutely. I touched on Sean Tate right after the Harden trade, and he was, you know – I started to see a little bit, you know, I, I just found out about him from watching the games of all ways, of course. And I just couldn't help but notice him. And I think he's, like I said, I remember saying back then, like he's one of those players that if you watch a Rockets game, you come away impressed with him. I, I don't care what he does. He, like you said, he probably won't make a three. He probably will only have like 10, 11 points, but it's all meaningful. And he just plays so hard and he's so engaged that it's, you know, hard to not admire his playing style. Um, I have a guy that I think you've touched on a couple of times before, but I just think it's time that I give him some praise, and that's Tyrese Halliburton. Mm -hmm. I just think there's 
so few, and this season is also really proving it. There's so few rookies that come in and perform nearly exactly as you predict them to perform. It just feels, and it obviously there's an exponential drop off, you know, the deeper you travel in the draft order. But even with that being said, I, no one has probably lived up better to the expectations than Tyrese Halliburton. The fit in Sacramento worried me a little bit in the beginning, I won't lie. I didn't love the whole idea of him, Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox playing together all at the same time. But it's really worked really well for this team. I mean, you wouldn't know it. The Kings have, you know, not really shocked anybody this season. They really cooled off after a decent start, but they're back to right around where you expect them. But it's no fault to Halliburton. He's just a Swiss army knife with really high basketball IQ, and he just always makes the right play, the right pass, takes the shot when it's supposed to be shot. And it's just virtually no holes in his game. Um, and it, for that reason, it's hard for the Kings to get him on the bench. I mean, it's just every time you put him on the court, good things happen. And, I mean, the efficiency for a rookie is what really gets you. It's 49 from the field, 44 from three, and 84% from the line. That is exceptional for a guy in his 10th year, let alone his rookie year. That's absolutely insane. Almost 50, 40, 90-ish numbers as a rookie. That's crazy. I just think, you know, with – the explosive performances from rookies like Edwards, Lamelo Ball, and James Wiseman, it's created kind of a level of anonymity you don't see, you know, overshadow a player that's playing as well as Halliburton has been. And I just think it was about time to shed a little bit more light on what he's been doing. Now, the last guy I got to touch on, that Chicago Bulls guy, Patrick Williams. Not flash. Gee, but man, man, oh man, has he been good. I I did not like this pick when when it initially happened. And I, I know a decent amount of Bulls fans that did not. But boy, has he been living up to those expectations. I mean, he, he brought his, his three-point percentage up in the last 10 games. He's shooting over 40, over 40% from three. He's almost shooting over 40% on the season from three. Uh, but on the season, 10 points, five rebounds and assists, about a block and a steal each. You can't really ask for too much more out of a, a, a rookie power forward playing next to dominant scorers like Kobe White and Zach Levine. I mean, and on the defensive end, it's, it's crazy what he can do for that team. Yeah, I'd almost compare him to a – Halliburton in the front court. I mean, it's, it's not really similar styles of play anywhere, but just with how few holes he has. I mean, he's just another guy that checks a lot of boxes. He plays defense really well. He just has a, a level of athleticism that's not like, you know, jump jump out the gym or, you know, beat you in a foot race, but it's just like foot speed and, and the way he moves his feet and, and can slide and, and turn his hips and it sounds like football stuff, but I mean, all of this matters in the context of sticking with, you know, the, some of the best scores that this league has to offer. So just watching him be able to do that and be so fluid for his size is absolutely incredible. And he's definitely playing really, really well. I, I know a lot of people were surprised to see him at the fourth pick, but I think he was one of the guys with 
you know, one of the higher ceiling potentials in this entire draft. So I think he's in a good spot in, in Chicago and he's been playing really well for them. He's, you know, hopefully, you know, with more play from him on the defensive end of the court, they can start to build an identity on that side because that's really what they're lacking. They can score with anybody. They just can't stop a nosebleed. I, I know it's crazy to think about this, but his play and stats resemble a lot of a rookie Scotty Pippen. Mm. Very, very similar. I mean, they're about the same they're about the same build. I think Scotty was what, six eight? Maybe six seven. I mean, they were almost picked as the same pick. Vegetal Lambs was fourth. Scotty Pippen was fifth. But their sim their numbers for their rookie year are so similar. And I think I Scotty's of course the much better was the much better defender his rookie year. But I don't think it's too too difficult to say that Patrick Williams he he definitely reminds me of a young Scotty. I could definitely see it. the the two way potential is there. I it's hard because I mean I feel like there's just there's not as many really good two way players I think as in the NBA now is that at least somebody who didn't watch you know the old games as you know it's talked about. The, oh, the yeah. way you perceive it. So, to me, I feel like there's so few. I often kind of compared him to Kawhi, but I could definitely see Dennis or, um, excuse me, Scottie Pippen. Almost said Dennis Rodman. Um, you want to get into some some hot people, some hot teams, some hot players? Yes, yes I do. Uh, I got one team. Where the hell did they come from? The Washington Wizards. I just what. Five-game winning streak. I mean, they just beat the Lakers last night. They beat the Trailblazers. They beat the the Nuggets, the Celtics. Where is this coming from? I mean, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, I hated this trade early on. They're actually looking like a good duo. They definitely have been figuring it out. But the one thing I'll say is it was kind of – Destined, I mean, they couldn't be as bad as they were playing early in the season when it was all Bradley Beal with, you know, Russell Westbrook missing some time and not always being there. But they were going to turn it around and going to be better. But it's just with some of the injuries and the way that this team is built, you know, the way they've been winning is kind of the way they have to win. If that backcourt beats you, they can beat anybody. I mean, because – Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal can both of those guys get it done. So if they're both playing well, they could really, you know, compete with a lot of teams in this league. But if either one of those guys has an off night, then good luck. Well, the Rui Hachimura has really been developing. I mean, I, I haven't liked his three. He's definitely a more of a down-low kind of player right now. But his, his improvement has – Really, really impressed me. Him and Evdia have been playing really, really well. Both have been giving was, them really good minutes. That clutch corner three from Denny Evdia. Evdia. Nuts. To basically, to basically send them to OT. Absolutely insane. Like, this, this team has potential now. Absolutely. They have potential. They have something to work with. Uh, I'm not sure if 
like I said, with Thomas Bryant being out and, you know, some of the, the plugins that they put in at the center position with Robin Lopez and Mo Wagner, I'm not sure if those guys can get them into the postseason, but they do have a chance. They've been playing well lately. I mean, it'll be, it, like I said, the ball is in Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal's court on that one. Mm-hmm. For me, my team who's hot, the Brooklyn Nets. They're coming off a week where Durant was only able to only able to play in one game and they have seemingly figured it out. It was one of the best situations for them, honestly. I think, like I said, the only two guys that you ever really have to worry about in this equation are Kyrie and James Harden and letting them figure it out. And maybe, you know, you could bring some uh, array of good uh good graces and just say that, you know, while KD was out, it gave them a chance to figure things out. And boy, have they, it's looked a lot better since Kyrie said that he was going to defer, you know, running the offense or the point to James Harden. It's looked a lot different and they've both been able to capitalize and do what they do best. And it's what I said, it would be the, you know, the best case scenario where James Harden runs the show. He's the better overall passer. Kyrie's not a terrible passer, but it's just not ever in his, you know, first instinct. It's not on the top of his, on the top of his brain, you know, to, to pass it. He's always, you know, one step ahead on how he can create a bucket for himself. And so watching him, you know, get the ball, isolate and do his thing is the best thing is the best way for him to fit on on this team. And James Harden will run the show and occasionally do the same exact thing. So, I mean, it's, long as they both get roles in each position, you know, I think it'll work. And when you have two really good backcourt players, you play them together, you sit one, you play one, you sit one, you play one. I mean, it's not that hard. It really isn't. I think that they'll be able to figure it out. They're both professionals. Um, It'll be a good chance to see, you know, how much they really want to win. And it looks like they really do because they are figuring things out right in front of us. I mean, factor in a 24 point a 24 point comeback win versus the Suns last week and this team is starting to look really scary I mean the Suns have consistently this season been one of the best teams in the Western Conference and to fold like that to this Nets team just shows you they have the firepower and I think you know something that went kind of under a lot of people's radars is the signing of Andre Roberson and Amon Shumpert that gives this team valuable wing defenders which for any team that wants to compete you can never ever have enough of good defenders are so valuable i mean you everyone knows the the value andre roberson brought to that that okc team uh just being that guy that can go on the opposing team's best player and at least limit them. No one's going to be able to really stop the best player unless your name's Kawhi or Paul George or, like, one of those top defenders. But, I mean, Audrey Roberson was a, a very serviceable defender. And then Amon Shumpert, I mean, not not the exactly the, the ideal guard defender, but still, still a good defender. Absolutely. Um, I have one more who's hot. And it's a guy that we all kind of ragged on and dragged through the mud at the beginning of the season. But he's now that he's really playing well, 
I think we need to, you know, observe it the same way we observed his woes. I mean, he deserves credit just the same way as he, you know, deserves to be, like I said, dragged through the mud. And that player is Kelly Oubre Jr. Like I said, few players were a bigger letdown to begin the season. I mean, he he was in Golden State, traded to OKC, then traded to Golden State from Phoenix. And last year he had his breakout year. Last year is really where we, you know, figured out, wow, okay, this guy's a 19 and six player. I didn't, you know, I didn't really know that to be the case going into that season, but he proved it to us. And I thought, you know, with Clay Thompson being on the shelf this season, he was really gonna, you know, I really pegged him in. It was one of my, my bold statements was that he was going to come in and really fill that role well. And he really, really didn't. He played uh, nothing like Clay Thompson, actually. He couldn't hit a single three to save his life. But over the last 10 games, he's been fantastic. He's still on the season, only averages 13.9 points. But over his last 10, he's averaging 27 and is shooting 7% better from the field, 42% versus 49%. And he's shooting a ridiculous 15% better on threes than his season average from 32% to 47%. So, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. He's obviously playing a whole lot better. He's really got his shot back and he's, you know, you almost could say you squint hard enough. He looks like a long lost splash brother. Um, The last thing I actually got is, it's a team that started out terrible. Um, that's the Toronto Raptors, and boy, oh boy, have they been on a on a different level. Uh, I mean, winning seven out of the last ten games. I mean, of course, they did just lose assistant coach the uh, Chris Finch. Yes, Chris Finch. Um, but I mean, they just beat the best team in the East. One one ten to one o three against the Philadelphia 76ers. They beat the Bucks back to back. Which is arguably, arguably the second best team. I think it's between them and the Nets. Uh, I think that's up in the air. But they're they're moving back up. They're at fifth in the division, and I think this all re- lies on Norman Powell and how fantastic he's been playing. I, I mean, 31, 29, 28. He's had a fantastic season. Absolutely. And I think this is one of those situations where you really can't put 100% of the credit on anybody. I think that they just play really good team basketball. This is why we were all shocked to to open the season. You know, I almost had to take a step back and be like, has recency bias, you know, clouded my judgment? Why, why is this team playing so bad? Did I, you know, is Marcus all hurting this team more than I thought it would? It took me a minute, but I will say that they've really come back around. I mean, between – I think you also, you know, have to give some credit to Fred Van Vliet, who's been playing absolutely outstanding. He's one of the best point guards in the entire NBA. He deserves that much credit. He's as – he gets buckets as – as much as your favorite point guard. I don't care who your favorite point guard is, but Fred Van Bleek gets just as much buckets. He's just a stone cold killer. You don't have to like his game. 
he'll drop 30 on you. It doesn't matter. Um, and you got Pascal Siakam, Spicy P. I mean, we all know what he does. It was only a matter of time for somebody as talented as he is to, you know, get out of that slump. It just felt to felt like it surrounded him for so long, but he's finally getting out of it. And their entire team is playing well. Norman Powell, like you said, has been another guy who will just drop nukes on you, score at will. And then you factor in OG, Chris Boucher has been playing really, really well for them as well. So they've got a deep, deep roster. They could really, really do something. And it's it was only fitting that they turned it around. I will say they have a very scary small ball lineup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's all I got for who's hot. Moving I only, who's not. Yeah, oh. I only have one team for who's not. And it's the Houston Rockets. Okay, you didn't say mine. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, that, that Rockets team is really confusing me. Yeah. I mean, it, this is a team that in the immediate, you know, aftermath of the Harden trade was one of the best-looking teams in the entire league. I mean, they – I think it had something to do with, you know, proving a point and, you know, all those guys – standing up to Harden because it sounded like he was and I mean the way he handled things he obviously viewed himself as much more valuable than anybody any other player on that entire team so I can completely understand but new faces Oladipo Christian Wood John Wall all shouldered a good majority of that burden but Oladipo and Wood are now hurt they this team still plays an admirable brand of basketball. I can't lie. Liking defense the way that I do, this team does play hard. They do work. And it's not easy versus this team. But with all these, I want to say, like, it feels like misfits. There's, It's really a bunch of misfits, Eric Gordon and, and Christian Wood. That's, that's, like, what this team is. And it just – they don't have the fire around – firepower to keep up with it I mean they're in a really bad situation their first round pick is owed to my thunder this year uh, I mean I wouldn't expect them to just throw in the towel but with everything plaguing this team I just expect them to struggle until their stars return and it, then you still have to pencil in the rumors of Victor Oladipo I mean he's still obviously being shopped and I mean what kind of impact does his trade bring and are you what are you able to recoup? I mean, the timeline for this team is drastically different. They went from guaranteed playoffs year in and year out with Harden to slumming it like the rest of the league. I mean, hey, how's life without a star? This is what it's like. So, I mean, they just cut DeMarcus Cousins. They seem ready to enter a small ball era in Houston, this time with Christian Wood manning the middle. And I think, you know, it's not a bad rebuild to start with a Christian Wood and John Wall combination. That's not bad. It's really not. I mean, John Wall probably don't have the longest timeline with him, but Christian Wood is young, 24. He's got a future, and you don't have picks this year, but just piece by piece, that's what it's going to take. So hopefully you can get something for Oladipo maybe. Now, a team I have to talk about is sadly my very own Boston Celtics. This this team has really confused me, um, especially over the past about week and a half. 
They're they're about five. I think they're five and five in their last ten. But they've had some bad losses. They just lost to New Orleans in OT. They lost to Atlanta a few nights ago. They lost they lost to Washington and Detroit back to back. I mean, I really think they're only lost to a, a really good team in the past about three weeks. Is Utah? I I Phoenix too. Phoenix isn't there. But this team has just I came in so high on this team because I thought Tatum and Brown were really going to take over, but the team around them, it's not doing enough. Losing Gordon Hayward this offseason really hurt the scoring load. I mean, that's a that's a 20-point per game score just gone. Yeah. And Tatum and Brown have been absolutely killing it. But it, it's not enough. That's the hard part about it is that they are killing it. I don't know. The The mountain of assets that Boston was once sitting on is eroding. That's how assets work. You either put them in play or you use them. And when you use them, you know, what you've stacked up and accumulated dwindles away. It felt like a couple of seasons ago that Boston was just going to pick in the top four of the draft every single year. And they stacked up a lot of good players in that time. But it is a little weird to me that it's only really been, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown from all of that to be the crown jewels. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, there's got to be – if. If not, I think it's if whatever you have left in the war chest, it might be time to pull it off a trade, do something with a guy like Andre Drummond on the market, or just really, I think center's got to be the place where it is. I love the, you know, trio of Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson and the Time Lord Robert Williams. I love what each one of them brings to the table. They all have their own unique, you know, skill set, but. You need a real, you know, legitimate third kind of option at your center position, in my opinion, to fully solidify the rest of your team. My big thing is looking back on the Kemba Walker side, and especially this year, it hasn't really been working. I mean, last year I really loved it. I mean, they did good. They they got to the Eastern Conference Finals. They just couldn't beat that Heat team that was on arguably one of the greatest finals run of one runs of all time. Yeah. But this year he's just not been playing good. I don't know if it's him coming off that injury or what it is. It, from what from my experience, it usually goes something like this. I mean, you know, it it's never um or I don't want to say never, because you can never say never. But rarely do you see players come back from I don't care what kind of injury it is, but they don't usually come right back into, you know, the natural swing of things. It's always an acclimation period and, you know, getting, you know, depending on what kind of injury it is, the timeline even varies, you know, in how long I feel like it affects you after that. With what he went through, it some time to get back and playing well, it, it He's going to just need it. He's going to, it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight, but the best thing is that he's, 
here now, you can take these lumps and just, you know, full preparation for the postseason because that's all that matters. The East, with the way that the teams are stacked up at the top, is going to be a dogfight no matter what. You're going to have to play at least two good teams. So with that being said, you know, as long as Kemba's playing his best basketball around that time, that's all that matters. But I do agree. He's the one that's on this roster that needs to step up and, and be that third kind of guy. I'm just hoping this team can really turn around. That's all I have for who's not, though. That's all I had as well. So Shall we, we get can... some, some games? Yes, we will. I'll let you start it off. I've started off a couple in a row. Um, sadly tonight, I mean, it's it's not going to get out in time. But Washington at the Clippers, and that's, that's going to be an interesting game with how hot Washington is right now. I, I mean, like, Russell Westbrook and, and Bradley Beal versus Paul George and Kawhi, that, that's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be fun. Really good backcourt to watch and a really good front court for the Clippers. My game, I have one tomorrow. Philadelphia versus Toronto at 730. The 76ers are still the kings of the East. At any time they have an opportunity to tip off against another premier Eastern Conference foe, you can expect a good one. That's just, you know, it's not hard to watch Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Bleet and potentially Kyle Lowry. Another interesting angle to this is that I don't know if you've seen anywhere, but there's been some murmurs about some Kyle Lowry to Philadelphia. So that's a very, very interesting dynamic to throw into the whole thing. And, I mean, Kyle Lowry is a Philadelphia native, and he has an abundance of experience, defense, and shooting which are all things that this Philadelphia 76ers team is seeking to acquire. So uh, I just think a team that has a story or a game that has a storyline like that is very, very interesting. And then do you have another one? I got one more. And that's Sunday afternoon. We got the Los Angeles Clippers going to Milwaukee. 3.30 ABC. Tune into that game. Yeah, you have arguably the best play, what second best player? I think LeBron is still number one, but Giannis Antetokounmpo going up against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Also, you still have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and then the the surrounding cast that the Clippers have in Sir and Serge Ibaka and Lou Will and Pat Bev. Like it's gonna be two defensive heavy teams that know how to score. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really interesting to see how that turns out. And that was actually my other game. So I wholeheartedly agree with what Jason just said. I think you can't go wrong when you got two powerhouses from their respective conferences and a group of players as good as Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And don't disrespect Drew Holiday because he's in that contention too. I mean, you have two top five players going at it and then two top 20 players. I think Paul George is definitely closer to the top 10 than Chris Middleton is. And, of course, we have Drew Holiday. Um, but it's 
that's as good of a game as you can get. Absolutely. But I think that's going to wrap us up for tonight's episode. I hope you all enjoyed us talking more about basketball while it's around. Um, hopefully you'll be able to stick out through the entire season. I, that's what all sports fans hope for. Just, just keep on chugging along. Oh, yeah, I know I'm praying. But I've been your host, Jason Mitchell, joined alongside Ian Hatcher. We'll see you all next time.